good afternoon, good morning, good evening. Maybe it's in the middle of the night and you can't sleep and you said, I want to find a podcast that will put me to sleep. Well, you found the right one. It is a priest and a rabbi podcast. If we don't put you to sleep in the next three minutes, then we have not done our job. Just kidding. We're pretty obnoxious. We like to have a good time and we like to talk about God and faith and science. And well, we don't talk about science, but today we're going to talk about science because we have a guy who's wicked smart who likes to talk about science. He's also a rabbi. He gets people from synagogues and temples and churches and scientific think tanks to all come together at a place called Sinai and Synapses to talk about the intersection of faith and science. But more importantly, how do we talk about topics that really divide us and get to our humanity and see where God is in the mix of all this? Rabbi Durbin, did I get that right? Right. So, what's going to happen? Today? Uh, I think you 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 said it to a uh, to a T. Uh, you know, we uh, looking at science, looking at religion, how the two kind of blend itself together, and you know what what is the learning and what is the what is the ways that we're, we're able to interact with one another. So it's been you said it great, Father Anderson. I got no complaints. Wow. But it's the key. Can, we, can we mark that down? No complaint department. Uh, it has nothing today from, from Rabbi Durbin. Usually our producer, Evan, is taking complaints from Rabbi Durbin saying, get rid of this guy. I need another priest. Give me someone. Give me an evangelical pastor, someone who just has half a brain. Um, <laughs> all right. So, uh, well, we are bringing in your good buddy, uh, Rabbi Jeff Middleman. And uh, he, he is quite the study, is quite a bio. We're not going to talk about the biography. We're going to put that in the show notes. Um, but he is from Sinai and Synapses. Uh, follow them on Twitter, follow them on Facebook, and you can follow Rabbi Jeff as well. After you hear this podcast, you're going to be like, give me more of Rabbi Jeff. Uh, Rabbi Jeff just arrived on Zoom Airlines. He just arrived. He went through security. Hey, Rabbi Jeff, welcome. Thank you. Nice to see you. Yeah, it was a very easy flight. It's good to have you. Um, and if you guys are not, if you don't watch us on Facebook Live, uh, you will miss this incredible poet laureate painting drawing um, that his uh, son uh, drew, uh, drew, draw, drawed, drain in the background. Um, no, it's a beautiful painting. I've been mesmerized by it. Uh, so get ready, buckle your seatbelt. If you are not a subscriber, please do subscribe to this podcast and do please do share it. Share it with one person right now who gets into interfaith work. People are not afraid to talk about the big topics of uh, science, faith, sexuality, Black Lives Matter, whatever. Anything that gets people up and out of shape, we want to talk about it and learn how to talk about it. All right, guys, let's blast off on a count of three, two, one. Let's go. A priest, a rabbi, a priest, a rabbi, a priest, a rabbi. The opinions you hear from on this show do not represent WSTU, since they probably regretted over allowing the show on the air in the first place. Nor do they represent Temple Bay Hayam or St. Mary's Episcopal Church, since they also wonder what the heck they did when they called these two men to lead their respective congregations. On that note, sit back, relax, Grab your Bible or Torah and enjoy another episode of A Priest and a Rabbi. Good morning, Stuart, Florida. It is not often that I get the opportunity to introduce us uh, this morning. Uh, I am Rabbi Durbin. With me is uh, the best darn looking priest uh, east, or say west of the Jordan River. 
Father Christian Anderson, and together we are a priest and a rabbi. So, um, Father Anderson, how's the week been? And now he's disappeared. <laughs> rabbi Dermot, it has been a fantastic week. Uh, I'm, I'm, it's uh, We're getting into the fall season here at the church, uh, leaning into it. So it is getting really busy real quick, uh, but it's all good. You got to keep your mind right that it's all for the kingdom of God. And that's what... Uh, doesn't make it seem like it's just a bunch of work. You know what I mean? I get it. I get it. What busy season are you in? Well, if you look at the Gregorian calendar and also the seasons of the sun and the moon, we are now going to be leaving summer and going into this thing called fall. Fall. Okay. Autumn. Uh, but we're not there yet. And it's Florida. So everything is just always hot and humid. However, we got to prepare because believe it or not, I actually do prepare for things. I know it looks like I just show up and just do things without any preparation, like showing up five minutes before the show today, but uh, we have to prepare for everything that's coming in the fall. So all the programmatic stuff, all the stuff with the kids, with the youth, with adults, it's, uh, it's coming fast and furious. And we got to, we got to, we got to get your son prepared, right? Your son's joining us in our preschool. In a couple yeah, of man, you know, I realize I have not um, um, sent in the, the registration form. So hopefully you guys haven't uh, released his 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 uh, reservation. Is he no, still... no, no, no. We, 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 keep it, we keep it safe. We keep it safe. Okay, good. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, he's very excited. I'm very excited for him to be there because, to use your word, excited, um, he's a social, social kid. And I, I'm really, I really am looking forward to how he's going to um, grow and prosper. And I expect him to speak Hebrew before he speaks English. Look, he will embrace it. I mean, look, with Tan Shabbat every Friday, and as I as I mentioned to you, it would be great when you can get off this radio program, shoot down half a mile to the temple, and join us as a as a special guest for our Tan Shabbat program, which, uh, which will begin as our school begins on August 11th. Wait, August what? 10th. His first August day is 11th. August 11th? Yep. All right, cool. Better tell my wife if she's listening. All right, yep. cool. So, so, you know, we have an, uh, we have an amazing program today. Uh, it is uh, not to use the word uh, interesting because it's not interesting. I think it's riveting and I think it is exciting. It is fresh. It is current. It is, um, it is, it is something that, um, you know, we as, as a program and a radio uh, host, um, we've delved into very briefly, but not really with expertise and with experts in the field. And it is, with such joy and immense pleasure today that we welcome uh, one of uh, the foremost thinkers in our field. Uh, happens to be a colleague and a friend of mine, Rabbi Jeff Middleman. He is uh, joined us via Zoom Airlines. I think he has just flown in. So it is wonderful to see Jeff, Rabbi Middleman here. Uh, and just as a little bit of background, uh, which I will not read his entire bio because it is rather lengthy, uh, but Rabbi Jeff Middleman is one of the smartest people in the world. Uh, he is the founding director of Sinai and Synapses, an organization that bridges scientific and religious worlds uh, uh, here in America. He has numerous writings and been well-written. Um, perhaps what Jeff may be most known for is uh, Rabbi Middleman was also on Jeopardy um, about four or five years ago. Shut uh, so up. You know, coupled with, and I know, I know Rabbi Middleman knows uh, um, Andrew Goodman and uh, and Josh Strong, who were on uh, uh, what was it? Uh, Beach uh, Shazam. Uh, so you know, we just try and get uh, we just try and get super smart rabbis and uh, 
and educators and everyone on this program to uh, to really inform us of what it is. But it is with great pleasure this morning that we welcome Rabbi Jeff Middleman here out of Sinai and Synapses, kind of bridging the gap between science and religion. So Rabbi Middleman, welcome. Welcome to our program. Thank you. Thank you both for having me here this morning. You know, um, very, very few are aware, but, uh, uh, you know, Rabbi Jeff, maybe you remember, geez, maybe this was like 15 years ago or so, that you and I, I met Jeff uh, not only in rabbinical school when I was doing my third year in Jerusalem and Jeff was doing his fourth year as they came back, or uh, Jeff's year in Israel was when there was a very, very difficult and challenging time in Israel where most of the students of Hebrew Union College were, were told they did not have to go to Israel uh, just because of the volatility of the situation. So Jeff came back in his fourth year. I was there in my third. We met um, and developed a, a great friendship. And um, and then you had Thanksgiving with my in-laws in Cincinnati. That's um, right. I forgot about that. <laughs> which, of course, my in-laws send their best. And, of course, my wife uh, uh, is a little bummed. She couldn't uh, see in person uh, on this on this program. But, of course, she, she'll, she'll be tuning in uh, very shortly. But, um, again, it is with great pleasure that we welcome Rabbi Jeff Middleman. Well, it's it's a great pleasure to be here, and the and the conversations. Listening to some of the the conversations that you've had, this is a great great program, and I'm really honored and excited to be part of this here this morning. So, you know, Rabbi Jeff, maybe you could give us a little bit of background as to, you know, how did you come about this? I mean, you are founding director. Mm -hmm. You 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 were a congregational rabbi um, in in Westchester, New York, uh, for a few years. You know, what was what, 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 how, how did this manifest itself in terms of the work that you do? Well, as, as I think that you may have noticed and probably your listeners have noticed that the conversation in America right now is not a particularly productive conversation. There tends to be a lot of, um, let's say, yelling back and forth, a lot of uh, conversations that started off very much 30, 40 years ago where we would have a conversation and, and there would be a piece of, oh, that's interesting. Tell me about what you're thinking about, what your position is. And then that conversation changed to, no, you know what? I'm right. And then it became a question of, I'm right, you're wrong. And then it became, I'm right, you're stupid. And now it's even gotten to a point of, I'm right, you're evil. And, and I actually see this on both sides of the aisle, of these conversations here. And so the questions of science and religion, that's part of a larger American conversation that we're having where we attack each other, where there's a, I think it's a false belief, but there's a belief that one side is viewed as scientific and educated and liberal, and the other side is viewed as uneducated and religious and conservative. And there's a belief that if you buy anything in either of those columns, you've got to buy everything in that column. And it's even better if you demonize the other side. And we're much more interested in, in proving just how right we are and how righteous we are, as opposed to saying, hold on a second, we've got some major questions that we are grappling with as individuals, as a society, and as a nation. Where can we both find wisdom from both science and religion, because there's tremendous wisdom from, from both sources there, and how can I engage with people that I may disagree with, that I may not necessarily interact with in other ways, but are part of my community, they're part of my family, they're part of my nation. How do we come together and try to be able to address some of these questions. So that's why we launched Sinai and Synapses. We've been doing this now since 2013 uh, and do a variety of different projects and initiatives, really trying to be able to explore some of the big questions surrounding science and religion and to try to elevate the public discourse. So Rabbi Jeff, question for you. 
you just this work alone, I mean, there's the intellectual side, which is how do you balance science and faith together, which has been an ongoing thing since, you know, the Enlightenment. And a lot of people would say that the, the church really started to hurt in its uh, understanding of God post-scientific revolution. They started to lose a little bit of the faith in the supernatural and just trusting more and just man's ability to do kind of godlike work, godlike. Mm-hmm. Um, but but so there's one, that's, that's one side of the show. The other side you're saying is... You're also talking about just how to get people to uh, speak to each other respectfully and empathetically. I mean, that's a lot of work we're doing in the church right now with studying nonviolent communication. How do we get people, because we're a purple congregation, people from both both sides of the aisle just to treat each other with respect and as Christians, as Jesus would want us to. Um, so that's just a skill set in itself. So do you find like you're, there's two different art forms here, one that's about science and faith and one that's just like, guys, how do we speak to each other respectfully, lovingly and empathetically? Yeah, I think that's that's a great question. And they're and I think they're linked actually because one thing that we've discovered is the conversation about science and religion can be a model for other kinds of conversations in America right now. So Bingo. Um, so, you know, one thing, you know, if you want to start with questions of evolution and creation, if you want to talk about the hot button issues, that's actually not going to be a very constructive conversation because what's going to happen is people come into the conversation with their preconceived ideology, their preconceived knowledge, and what they're going to aim to do is try to convince the other side as to why they're wrong. And that's not actually going to be a helpful conversation. Everyone's going to walk away generally more upset and angry. But if you start with a question, one, one piece that I love, for example, thinking about questions of science and religion, tell me about a moment when you felt awe and wonder. And you can have that conversation. A scientist can talk about that. An atheist can talk about that. A deeply devout Christian can talk about that question. Uh, a Jewish person can talk about that. Any, you know, across the, the world. And then they can, and then it actually starts to humanize those kinds of conversations because someone says, you know, when I was at the Grand Canyon, this is, I saw the light playing on all the rocks and someone says, ah, oh, you know what? I remember there and the clouds were so incredible. And you know what? I went, I went um, whitewater rafting there and that was the same kind of, you know, and then you, then you actually start to build a relationship there. And so rather than going right into the hot button issues, that's actually not a very constructive way. What we need to be able to do, I think one of the wonderful things that that happens in churches and in synagogues and in houses of worship is that you bring people together. When you're coming together at coffee hour, when you're coming together at, at Oneg, uh, you know, in the synagogue, what you're talking about are the really simple day-to-day issues of how's your family, what's what's going on in your world, if we fix that pothole down the street, and that's that's actually a really critical part of being human, of just being able to build a relationship. And then from there, we can start to explore some of the bigger and more challenging questions. So in your think tank, though, when the ones you guys do in your work mm-hmm. is, is just the, that skill set, mm-hmm. so that tactic, their strategy of how yeah. do we do this? How do, how do we most effectively approach these, these, these topics that can potentially divide us? Do you all as a bunch of players have to kind of go over these skill sets as well? So what we what we tend to do is we like to reach what we might call the adjacent possible. So so for example, I I am a I'll put my cards out on you. I'm a reform rabbi. I tend to be a little bit more on the left. That's that's where I am. But I have worked closely with um, an evangelical Christian organization that has done work on science and religion. So they're a little bit further right than I am, which is which is wonderful. But they then actually can connect with people who are even further right than than where I am. So so being able to talk with people and being able to say, even if I can't necessarily 
talk with them because they may not listen to me. I mean, we, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. People are going to trust who they're going to trust. So if I come in as a relatively liberal reform rabbi, understandably, that's, I'm, I'm not necessarily going to be a trusted source there. But if I'm able to build relationships with people, if there are people that I can connect with and, and have relationships with, then they are able to present those kinds of conversations because they have that relationship there. So we, we tend to say, we want to equip people with some tools and some language to be able to say, here are some things that we can think about and talk about, and here are the, here are the people that we can reach, and here's the way we want to be able to do this. And, I, and, and a lot of it is being able to have as wide a network as possible, and ideally a network of networks. Okay, and, so you're, you and, want to be relational. Exactly. And, you know, Rabbi Jeff, how does that work in terms of the training and the follow-up that you do when you go into institutions or organizations? And also, how do you keep yourself and your staff uh, current in terms yeah. of other literature and other stuff that's coming out. So one thing that we say with everything that we do, with all the people that we select, all the programs that we do, and try at least as we can with every interaction that we have, and I recommend this for everybody, and I, I'm stealing this from uh, from a guy named Roy Benarock, who said, when you don't know what's going on, get curious, not furious. Love that. And I, I love that too, right? Because our, our natural reaction is, how could you possibly be thinking this? Don't wake up, people. We want to, yeah. Well, but wait a second. Nobody is a villain in their own story. Everyone is, is the hero of their own story. So be curious. What, what prompted you to be able to make these decisions? What led you to be where you are right now? What are the values that, that are driving you? And so what we, what we do is we bring people together from all across the religious and, and scientific and academic and political spectrum for people to be able to, to model of, tell me these kinds of stories. What we do actually, when we bring together, we ask them to have a, uh, an opening question where they will, where they will have a prompt. And, and one, one question that we love to be able to ask, you know, this is a, this is one that we think about is, Think about a story when you were absolutely right about something, but there was a tremendous cost, or something when you realized that you were really wrong about something, but there was a tremendous benefit. And they, and they have to reflect on that. And when they come in, they then open up different stories about relationships, right? I thought that this was the person I was going to marry, and it turned out that I was wrong about that. That relationship, there was a tremendous cost of having been in that relationship. Or I thought I realized this was the person that wasn't right for me. And there was a tremendous benefit of having realized I was wrong. Sometimes it was teaching of trying to be able to drum more data and facts in, and it ended up backfiring. So, so a lot of that is being able to say, what are the different ways in which we can think about what's, what's the cost of being right? What's the benefit of being wrong? Because that happens both in science and religion. All right, so let's get let's get let's go right into the fire though, because we'll get more into this this in the second half of the show. But yeah. we we the part of the advertising for this episode today was about vaccines, mm -hmm. and 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 how do we um, which which a little bit of a firecracker right now in our yep. in our society, especially down here in Florida, um, and. So we have a bunch of kids going back to school. We have a governor who says one thing. We have other concerned parents who say another, another set of concerned parents who say another thing. It, it's hot. And mm -hmm. I'm just talking to the educators at, at my church, <clears throat> how much pressure they're under right now. And I can just, just the anxiety is just dripping from their face, yep. how, to, how to wrestle with this. Yep. Um, so you, there, sometimes science and faith do collide because for some folks, it is uh, on both sides, it is an act of faith. Uh, mm -hmm. because God would want us to be responsible and take care of one another and care for our neighbors. So throw a mask on. And other people would be like, 
no, there's, I'm not sure what the faith argument is on the other side, but, but it, it's there. I mean, I understand the, the more uh, uh, civil rights, the, your, your rights as an individual, right. I get that, I get that one. Yep. So how do you begin, if you were to come into, let's say our Martin County, where it's a hot, hot issue, mm-hmm. it, how would that be, even begin? Do you try to like, just bring both sides together? You show up at one of these 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 uh, mm-hmm. meetings for the for the uh, the superintendent is holding and yep what 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 happens then so so f- I would f- first of all I would actually try to find somebody who is who is local somebody who is a person of faith and somebody who has a background in the science I think because because you want to have somebody oh. who is oh, okay who is who is trusted there but I think that you know some of those questions that would come up I one thing that I would I would start. And again, I think you want to start it actually, by the way, with a smaller group. You don't want to have 300 people in a room because that's going to, that, that's going to, there's not a relationship there. If you've got 300 people there, it's a one to many. I think it's, it would be much more effective to be able to have small group conversations of, you know, 10 to 12 people, pockets of different people, and being able to say, when you are thinking about, should, should I vaccinate or should I not? To be able to say, what are the, what are the, undergirding values here? What's, what is leading you to your decisions here? What, what are the core values that you are holding that are either prompting you to be able to say yes or prompting you to be able to say no? Um, because I think that's, that is a really important thing because if it's, if it's people yelling, of, why is the government telling me what I need to do? I have a right to be able to do this. And some of people, well, you're going to kill everybody. Um, that's actually going to immediately devolve there. But everybody wants to be able to lead their lives as normally as they can. Everyone wants to be able to have an individual right to be able to, to, to lead their lives as they see fit. People want to be able to keep their family and their community safe. So one of the things that I think is also really important is we think about ethical questions as very black and white, right? We, if we think of the ethics is, is the difference between right and wrong, and that's actually not true. Questions of ethics are a difference of right versus right. What happens when there are competing values here? Because these questions of vaccinations are not black and white questions. Mm. There are multiple different values that are competing. And depending on who someone is, what their community is, there's, there is a, there's a different valuation that different people right. are using. So I think that's a really important thing to be able to honor that, that nobody is actively trying to harm themselves or their community. Everyone is trying to make the best decision that they can. And I think the other thing that I think is really important and really, um, really subtle is questions of public health are, are the success, success stories in public health are really the stories of the things that didn't happen. Um, so if you think back on, on the mask mandates and that are going up and going down or vaccinations, we don't know how many lives were saved because of all the different public health initiatives that were there, right? What we would know was X number of hundreds of thousands of people could have died, but we actually don't know that, right? The, the success stories are the, the number of lives that w- were saved, the number of hospitalizations that didn't happen. And we also, we also don't know until looking back, did we overreact? Right. That's that's a thing that we that we that we don't know. And and there is there is a value of saying, wait a second, am I being overly cautious? Am I virtue signaling here? Um, so the stories of of um, of all the stories of public health are all these stories of the unnamed people that are not 
that that were saved or that were that their lives were better because of all these public health mandates. And the other thing that that comes up is that it's also a story of numbers. And that's th that's a thing that is um, that's overlooked, which is that the number of people who are willing to get vaccinated is actually going up and faith leaders actually encourage people who are there, there's there's some significant research that anywhere between 10 to 15 percent of people are getting vaccinated because of other people, you know, social pressure um, or, or faith leaders encouraging it. And so we hear the stories where where each side is yelling because conflict sells. We're going to hear the stories of everyone yelling back and forth. But in fact, there's a large number of people who are saying, I want to see what are my neighbors doing? What are my friends doing? What's my religious leader suggesting here? And that's actually encouraging a lot more vaccination. And, and that's, that's, often, um, uh, that's a story that's often not told. So do you, would you recommend that if a church or a synagogue or a mosque is, is we're approaching this, these rising numbers again. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, do we have to go back and start implementing old policies? And then also the data is showing that if, well, if you have a room full of vaccinated people, you're actually some, you're in really good shape. It's just that yeah. when you start to have mix, mix the two, that's when you start to have the, the, the danger, right? So how do you start to... <laughs> You want to honor people and honor their rights. We're we're Americans, man. You have the right to 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 know where that that's that's what makes us American. It's great, mm -hmm. but and then you also have this other. You said these competing goods in ethics, yep. right? You have this one good of ethics, which is our freedom and our right as American. Then you have another good, which is also let's be responsible, care for our neighbor through mm -hmm. through 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 health, and and so mm -hmm. vaccination is one way to do it. Um, so before would you would you recommend that as a leader of a worship? A house of worship to start if what i'm hearing from what you said before bring some of those thought leaders or influencers mm -hmm. in the congregation together like five or six of them a yep. couple from one side and a couple from the other and say listen we all love this place we all mm -hmm. love god and we all love each other and we want to care for this place and then do you propose the question how are we going to do this so we can make sure everyone is mm -hmm. is safe i think well i think i think right yeah i think that's i think the question is i think you phrased it really well because i think the question is not the question is not, should you be vaccinated or not? Because that's going to become the hot button issue and everyone's going to argue. But it's a question of how can we be a community that, that cares for all of God's creatures, um, right? That's, it phrase it as, what are we going to do to be able to create a, a place where everyone is going to feel welcome and safe? Hmm. And that's right, because that's that can mean a variety of different things that could mean physically safe, that could mean emotionally safe. I think one thing that that also, you know, the two of you I know are are currently leading congregations, I had left uh, led a congregation, uh, or I was an associate rabbi for for a while there. But one thing that that I think is really critical is to build the relationships before starting to give information. Um, and before trying to convince people or so some of it might be talking with people, um, I'm, I'm curious, what, what is your, what's your thought process about vaccination? And, and, and to do it in a way, again, to be curious and not furious. They talk about it as actually as, as motivational interviewing. Um, and what, what, are the, what, what are the concerns that you have? What might change your mind in this kind of way? And again, a very, and, and to walk away being able to say, I trust you that you are going to make the, the, the best decision for you and, and your family and our community. I trust you because I know you. And, and to leave the decision in their hands because that's, that I think is, how, how particularly a lot of Americans are going to, to respond. But some of it might be, I wish I could get the vaccination, but I have to work and I don't have childcare, right? I, or I can't take time away from work 
and if you don't talk with your your parishioners, if you don't talk with your congregants, that's not something that might not be something that you know. You know, hey, you know what? Let's let's set a time at you know Sunday or Wednesday afternoon or whatever it is. We will take care of your kids for X number of hours to be able to have whoever wants to go get vaccinated, we'll, we'll make that happen. We'll find somebody who can drive you to be able to do that. If somebody's elderly and they can't drive, you know, there could be any number of, um, any number of reasons. I think a lot of people, and, and this, well, look, this was initially my thought process when people were talking in, in January and February, my initial feeling was, I want to see what happens when other people get vaccinated, right? What's, what, what's, uh, what are the side effects going to be? How effective is it going to be? Um, and I think there are a lot of people, and, and the research is suggesting, there are a lot of people who said, I want to wait and see what's going to happen. And they waited to see, and they got a vaccination. And there may be people who are still waiting a little bit more. So that might be a question of, so what would, what would be the, the, what would push you over the edge, right? You're, you said you're waiting to see what information or data or knowledge would allow you to feel comfortable to be able to get vaccinated. A lot of curiosity there. You're talking about just be curious, not fearless. So this is great. Exactly. We're going to continue this and um, <clears throat> first hear from the people who allow us to fly in, good people like uh, Rabbi Jeff. Um, <clears throat> so we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue on with this uh, uh, science and uh, science versus faith uh, and dig deeper where, where they can really hold hands. But also, most importantly, though, in the 21st century here in America, how do we continue to create spaces in our houses of worship that allow for, for, for more conversations, healthy conversations to really hear one another, especially during this time where we see a uh, conflict and, and division is really our, our, our natural instinct. How do we push against that so we can be the leaders as people of faith, be the ones to really hear one another and go in a different direction? So we're here with Rabbi Jeff. We'll be right back here on A Priest and a Rabbi. Hey everyone, it's Evan Nine, producer of A Priest and a Rabbi. Thank you for tuning in and being part of this community. We love developing new partnerships with this podcast to help further the interfaith movement. To join us, please email Father Christian at yourfavoritechristian at gmail.com. You can have an advertisement right here on this podcast, which is currently heard across the USA and in 34 other countries. Thanks for being here, and do not forget to subscribe on whichever podcast platform you're listening from. Now back to a priest and a rabbi. Welcome back to the award-winning priest and a rabbi radio show with Father Christian and Rabbi Durbin. Let's get ready for the second half of the show. Welcome back to part two, part two of A Priest and a Rabbi. So we only had one commercial, which means this is a great time to talk about this. Uh, we must have lost a sponsor because that means we're doing something good. When you lose sponsors, that means you said something that might've pushed someone over the ledge. So if you wanna be part of this controversial radio show or just a radio show that stinks, that can't get a sponsor, uh, please give us a call here at the uh, studio, 772-220-9788 to see how you can um, sp sponsor and support. You can also email us at a priest and a rabbi podcast at gmail.com. Um, your sponsorship has allowed Rabbi Durbin to get a microphone, which 
still hasn't worked. So we still need more sponsors because we're going to get him a microphone of our guest. Rabbi Jeff has the microphone that I think Rabbi Durbin will get. Um, but this is part two and we're back. Rabbi Durbin, how you holding over there, man? You brought in Rabbi Jeff. You, you hit a, you hit a gold mine today, man. Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi you know, you know it's, it's not often, it's not often that I get to do this for, I think this is like the 137th episode. And I, I'd be willing to say that of 130 episodes, I brought in maybe seven. Um, so, you know, Father Anderson, you brought in 130 different people. You know, it's been great. Um, you know, it's perfect. It's, it's, it's- You should do it more. You should do it more. You know, it's, it, it, for me at least, it's a conversation that I have very little understanding with. I mean, look, you know, I understand science. I understand religion, uh, but bridging the two together, especially, you know, Rabbi Jeff, with your expertise and your knowledge, and the way that you are so able um, and so eloquently able to, to communicate it uh, has just been really, at least for me, uh, just a great resource, a great resource. Thank you. Yeah, I, th I mean, I think that's the, the questions are really are really interesting and they're really complicated because one line that we say a lot through Sinai and Synapses is the biggest challenges that we face in this world are not scientific and they're not religious. They're human. They're questions of who am I? How do I thrive and flourish in the world? How do I have good relationships with my friends and my family and my community? And how can I contribute to the world? And these are questions that everyone, whether they are a dyed-in-the-wool atheist to a devout, devout religious believer of whatever stripe they are. Those are questions that we're all grappling with. And these are questions that religion has had thousands of years of being able to think about and, and explore in a variety of different religious traditions. And these are questions that actually science is starting to grapple with as well and give us some some information and some guidance that that may change. But that's a lot of what we're trying to do as just as as human beings here on this earth. And And Rabbi Jeff, you know, have there been times for you um, throughout your your work that maybe you've been on one side of the camp and through, you know, educational materials and research that had actually pushed you more towards the center or have completely thrown away your own ideology, your own thought process and said, you know what, I've never thought about it that way. And this has made me change in some way. Yeah, you know, the, I, I, what's interesting is that there's a great line, which is where you stand depends on where you sit. Um, so, so I I remember writing a a piece. Uh, there he's now become actually very uh, um, well known as, as Reverend Eric Metaxas, who is a, um, a radio host and and um, said some very very controversial things. And he had written a piece um, in the in the Wall Street Journal that said science increasingly makes the case for God. And I wrote a piece in response. I said. Um, no, but that's okay, right? Science, in my mind, science doesn't make a case for God. And so I got attacked by both the intelligent design community, which is which is pretty far right, as well as attacked by the very far left of, of actually somebody who is even more vocal than sort of the the Richard Dawkins and the the Sam Harris's who they are, are very vocal atheists. It's, he runs in their camp as well. Um, so I I've actually. Um, been able to engage more. I, I, I've been able to understand and appreciate more of where evangelical Christianity comes from, because that's not, I, I'm, I'm from the Northeast. So in the Northeast, I live in an echo chamber. I live very much in a bubble. Um, and so being able to understand what are the challenges of, um, of, of, 
people grappling with these kinds of questions. And and you know, one thing that I've I've really come to appreciate, which is um, why, for example, evolution is such a hot button issue in particularly fundamentalist Christian communities. Um, because most people in my community are going to say, how could you not possibly accept evolution? And you know, it's a, it's a, it's science. Well, why can you not believe this? And that's, I think that's a totally counterproductive conversation. But one thing that I've come to appreciate is that basically on a, on a day-to-day basis, understanding the theory of evolution doesn't really impact people's lives all that much, right? Like you need to be able to understand it for ninth or 10th grade bio, but it's not going to impact us really on a day-to-day level. But it is part of, uh, of, of a community that if you were to be able to, to say, um, I accept evolution, that community might say, well, now you're, now I'm ostracizing you. Now you're on the outside. So I've, you will lose your community. You will lose your support system. You will lose your friends. That is a tremendous risk. That is a tremendous loss. And, and so some of those con- conversations are being able to say, well, okay, what, what is, what are you grappling with? Right. What are, what are your, your, your values? Where are you coming from here? And are there ways to be able to think about and talk about these kinds of questions in a way where you don't have to reject your faith and at least to be able to understand and, and appreciate what does the theory of evolution actually say? So how does the work that you do at Sinai and synapses, how does it promote that, those kind of conversations? So a lot of it is, um, is having the right, is having the right people in the right um, communities talking about these kinds of conversations. So we have, an, we have an interfaith fellowship, for example, where we bring together scientists and clergy and writers. And so we have actually several people who, um, who grew up as, for example, young earth creationists in their, in their community. And they then went through some, some thoughts and, 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 and rejected that, that view of, um, of science and, and now accept evolution, accept and yet are still very deeply connected to their friends and their family. So some of that is they are able to talk about these kinds of questions, how, how and why they've thought about these, these questions, what questions are still open for them, why they still are part of their church, right? Like being able to, to say, I am somebody who accepts evolution. And you know what? I come every Sunday to my church and I'm part of my community here. And that allows their community to be able to say, this is, wait a minute, this is somebody that I know I grew up with. I've, I've shared fellowship with, right? I've, I've had coffee hour with them. I've had barbecues with them. Um, these are people that I know and respect. And so they're able to, 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 to say, I understand what, what you would lose from these kinds of questions. And, and I under, and I can understand what, but I want to share with you why there's a benefit of being able to at least understand, if not accept what what the what scientific consensus is? I think a, a bigger question is also climate change, um, right? It's, it's the same. It's the same kind of piece of you know why. I think if it, trying to be able to get people to accept human human drivers for climate change, more data is not going to change people's minds, mm. um, right? And and there's a there's a belief that the more we teach, the more we teach. I think again, it's these questions of well, what's what is your driving value here? And for some people, it's I, I, it is, it is very convenient for me to be able to have my car. Some of it is, I, I think that this is, I, I think that the scientific establishment, I don't trust institutional establishment, which I can also very much understand, right? We've lost 
faith in, in institutions, scientific institutions, religious institutions, political institutions. I was saying, wait a second, why should I trust scientists? Right? They keep they keep they keep changing their minds, and so that you know, they're, so some of that is okay. How do we talk about these questions in terms of science communication? Again, it's it's really about building the relationships and understanding what what are the concerns. What the there's a when I did community organizing, the questions that we always like to ask were, what keeps you up at night and what gets you out of bed in the morning? And I think those are really, really important questions to be able to explore of what, what are people's real animating anxieties and what gets them really excited? Yeah. And, and Rabbi Jeff, how, how do you, how do you, um, how do you deal with the situation when you have perhaps those that are so viscerally on the other side that are unwilling to even entertain the thought of listening mm -hmm. to another side. I mean, are there skills or tools or, or um, um, a language that is spoken to yeah. be able to break through that barrier? That's a great question. And, and my, my rule of thumb is, is this going to be a constructive conversation for me and for them? I'm not as interested in, if they are coming at it of, I'm going to troll you, I wanna either own the libs or own the conservatives, right? I'm gonna say this to be able to, to prove how smart I am and, and, and how stupid you are, I'm not going to engage. But if there's a question that is um, where I may learn something from them, or I feel like they may learn from me, right? What are the ground rules of this conversation? Then I'm really definitely willing to engage. And, and you know, I'll, I, I actually, I presented at an organization called BioLogos, which is a uh, Christian organization that tries to be able to get Christians to accept evolution. It's founded by Francis Collins, who is uh, the head of the NIH. He's Anthony Fauci's boss. Um, then he had to leave because he had to direct the NIH. Um, but they are devout, evangelical Christians who accept evolution. And they brought in to, uh, to this conference somebody who's a young earth creationist. Um, right? I would never be in the same room as a young earth creationist. I, I never met somebody. And, and I went up to him afterwards and I you know, disagreed absolutely everything with him. And by, by the way, he probably disagrees with absolutely everything that I have to say. And I went up to him afterwards and I said, I want you to know I am a New York liberal reform rabbi. And he sort of stepped away. I said, I want to tell you something. We have something in common. And he sort of looked at me. I said, I said, you and I feel equally uncomfortable. We are equally outside of our comfort zone here. And he sort of laughed, right? And, that, and like, that's the kind of thing where that's what needs to happen of being able to say, what are the levels of, of commonality here? Um, there's there's some, there's some great research from from a friend of mine named Dave Desteno who has a, he has a new book that's coming out called How God Works, and what what he's discovered is that the way that we engender compassion in other people is finding a point of similarity, and the point of similarity actually can and and almost needs to be something really simple and almost silly, right? Like I we both shop at the same grocery store, we both our kids are at the same school. Right? We both like this same restaurant. That kind of conversation, if we start with a conversation of, I'm a Democrat, you're a Republican, I'm a Republican, you're a Democrat, um, you know, whichever, whichever um, college football team that, that you, you don't want to be able to say which college football team, but you want to, there's, I, from what I understand, and like in, in Florida, that's a, that's a big part of, uh, of identity there, right? You don't want to say the wrong thing. Um, 
So we share, we share a love for, for, but it also be, we love a share, uh, we love, we share a love for college sports. We share that we're members of this church. We're, we're members of this, of the same synagogue, building those connections and relationships. That's where compassion and, and opening up can really happen. Yeah. So what I'm hearing over and over again, this is just, it, it's, it's relational. And that's what the Bible teaches us. God's relationship with us is it's, it's about relationship. It's always about relationship with him. The laws are there to guide us to be in relationship with him and relationship with our fellow sisters and brothers. I mean, that's the 10 commandments, right? Loving God and loving our neighbor. And these are the ways to do it. Um, it's, so you, so we, we've skipped that step and we've gone straight to the policies and that's what news media has taught us because that's what sells. Right. And, and we tribe up that way because find people who think like you talk like you but we miss the humanity and you're right when i think of all the uh, i'm i'm so grateful for the handful of relationships i have with people who are completely on the opposite end of thought that i have uh, but there's a mutual respect and love for each other and it's it's very precious it's it's uh, it's a gift because you have this mutual respect and love for the other person and you guys you know you're on opposite ends on, on major major issues but the humanity wins because humanity humanity should win the the mm -hmm. the, the human relationship with someone else that should be the number one thing and when we cancel that out that's when horrible things happen I and mean, that's how wars wars are are effective is when you, we went to the war with japan we're training our troops that they're they're monkeys they're not real human beings that's how it's easy to to, to like take them out so when we lose humanity that's when it gets ugly in the press. It gets ugly on social media. We forget that there's a, there's another human being just like you. It's the same pains as you, the same insecurities as you, father, mother, children, brother, sister. And so you're saying, go for that. Start and, there first. And we spend a lot of time talking about people and not enough time talking to people. And and particularly on on social media, right in our in our echo chamber, we'll say how awful those people are. As opposed to actually engaging in, and social media is also one of the challenges is that it gives one aspect, one element, and it's a very curated element of who we are. Um, and and what's happened, I think, in our society is that ideology has become identity. What I believe is is at least perceived of that's who we are as as the fullness of, of who we are as a human being. But our identity is multifaceted. It is relational. That's very um, a Jewish theologian named Martin Buber, who talks about that, that we have, it's whenever you say the word I, you're actually I in relationship with somebody else. It's what they talk about, I, thou, but it's better sort of you and me, right? Somebody you go grab a beer with, right? Who am I going to, you know, when you, get, when you go out and grab a beer with somebody, you're not trying to be able to get something from them. You're being with them just because you want to be with them. And, and, the, and who we are in different parts of our identity, that's, it, it, is not, it is not a bad thing to have different aspects of our identity that come to the forefront at different times in different places. If you're just tuning in, we're on the, uh, on the air right now with uh, a Rabbi Jeff Middleman from uh, uh, Sinai and Synapsis. And uh, so Reverend Jeff, what, what do you think is the hope for uh, the future, at least in our culture here in the States? Uh, do you think at some point there will be a, another movement where people are going to be hungry and starving for a middle ground of saying, gosh, it is just so hope, hope giving and refreshing when I see people from opposite ends of the aisle. Um, I think that's what's helped Rabbi and I uh, with, with the success of our show is that people just love the fact that a rabbi and a priest mm -hmm. 
are are getting together and sharing fellowship and sharing congregations. Uh, they're like, wow, that's just so countercultural to what we see mm-hmm. in the news. So do you, do you think that the divisiveness will still always just kind of be the charge because it's sexy, it's hot, and it gets votes? Um, or do you think there'll ever be a counter move, countercultural movement where people are like, you know, I know I want more of a centrist. I want a person who can get both sides together. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great question. I out the the increasing polarization. I think it has been getting worse, but I think that people are are hungry, particularly as COVID. You know, who knows when it's going to end or what that's going to look like. But but we've been pretty isolated. We've been most of our relationships have been online and via Zoom. I think people are really hungering for in person relationships, and I think there's always going to be a space and a need for in person connections and relationships where we can explore questions without the rancor that happens. Um, and, and, and historically, that's often been churches and synagogues, and hopefully that will, that will return. Um, but it also may be different, you know, churches and synagogues, I think, are going to change in the next 10 to 20 years as well of, you know, where do we get together at, at bars and restaurants and talk theology there? <laughs> um, and, and where do we engage in a constructive kind of way? I think there's, there's going to be a mix of both online and in person for, for the foreseeable future. Um, but I, I, I think that that's what we need to be able to find are pockets of hope. Um, what people say, you know, green shoots of being able to, to say, here's, here's what I'm looking for. Here, here's the kinds of connections and relationships. And I think, and I think part of that is, um, is being able to look for not just your own echo chamber and not just look at what is the quote unquote other side I have to say, but can I, can I find relationships and conversations where part of me is going to agree and part of me is going to either disagree or at least learn something. And I think that's something that, that, you know, that's, I think that's why, why this show has been so exciting because there are people who are coming in who know one of you or know what your theology, know, know how you approach these kinds of questions, but don't know the other person, don't know the guest. And so you're coming in with, a, with both a level of comfort and familiarity as well as, a, as, a, as an aspect of unknown. And that's, by the way, why humanity has thrived so much because we always have lived with this question of, and I'm going to use, use a small letters of a small level, small conservative, something that's safe and something that's a little bit more liberal or risky or untested, right? If we stayed in our own safe places, we're never going to grow. We're going to become stagnant. But if we're too far out there, then we may be untethered. We may, there may be too much of a risk. So trying to be able to find where do we have that balance of the rootedness and the safety and the small C conservative along with the risk-taking and the opportunities and the growth and the progressive nature as well. Rabbi Durbin, I think that was a challenge to us about our guests for the show that we need to maybe get a little more risky, a little more risky outside of the silo. What do you think? We can do that. We can do that. But, but Rabbi Jeff, we're also talking about a level within ourselves of our own self-awareness of where we do sit on the spectrum, mm-hmm. whether we, you know, what we are passionate about, what we are excited about. Um, and I think, you know, I would certainly agree with you in terms of being in, in relationship and it's important and that fosters development and growth, mm-hmm. but I guess also it, 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 assumes that we as individuals are safe and secure in our own knowledge of who and what we are mm-hmm. in able to progress or to have those difficult or challenging conversations. Right. It's we need to, we need to be able to have. I, 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 uh, 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 there's there's actually a, a great 
uh, new book called The Connections Paradigm about by uh, uh, David Roseburn. We actually spoke to him on our show recently about being able to connect to ourselves, to others, and to God. And, and being able to, to know who we are and to have a level of compassion for ourselves. Um, and, and I think I, I, there's, there's a great line that I think happens too often, which is, I love humanity, it's people I can't stand. <laughs> so it's very easy to love humanity. I'm going to make the world better. But like, no, it's my spouse who's driving me nuts. It's my kids who are not listening. It's the it's my friend who's on the other side of the political spectrum who's that I can't understand where they're coming from. Like, why do I, why is that person driving me nuts? Well, that's actually the person that we've got to be able to love. Um, right. It's, it's very, and, and, and it's very, it's very easy to love something in the abstract. It's much harder to be able to, to, to understand the, the person in front of us in their fullness and, and the fullness of their complexity. I think that you hit it right on the head with the challenge that God put before us of loving our enemies. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, so as a Christian, Jesus says, you know, it's super easy to love your family, love your friends, uh, go love your enemy. That, that's, right. where you, that's where you really need God. That's mm -hmm. where you really need to depend upon God's grace and God's compassion, because we instinctually as humanoids, <laughs> as mammals, just want to tribe up and tear apart those who threaten our tribe. Uh, but as children of God, we have a higher calling and we just can't do that on our own. I mean, that that's, you need, you need some, as the church would say, some Holy Ghost power. You need some power from the divine and we need to lean on God and say, okay, Lord, I know this is where you're leading me to. How do I do this? How do I have compassion? It's like you said, start with your spouse <laughs> because sometimes we treat the people we love uh, the worst sometimes because right. we, just, we think we can get away with it. Um, and so therefore that every day we have this opportunity that God gives us. And so start, start local as you're, as you're saying, start with your spouse, start with your children, then start with your neighbor, then go big and start with people in your community who drive you absolutely batty. And, and how do you bring love and grace into it and try start to see them as a fellow human being, start mm -hmm. to see them. They're a person with pains and hurts just like yourself. Um, and I think you, what you've said, Rabbi Jeff, is that we as people of faith, especially have to be the leaders of this. We have the call that's placed upon us, a biblical call to be this person. Um, and if we're not, then we're, we're trapping the ball, um, mm -hmm. but we don't have to. So uh, I, 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 you've uh, challenged us in, in great ways today and giving us opportunity. Listen, you give it so much. You've mentioned titles of books. You have yourself a think tank. Uh, I know there's gonna be people who are gonna wanna know more about how do I get more Jeff Middleton in, in my life? Um, so what what do they do? Where do they go? So they can go to our website, sinaiandsynapses.org. Um, about once a week, Thursday afternoons, we send out uh, both some original content from priests and rabbis and thinkers and scientists and, and uh, podcasts and other interesting articles. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. It's at Sinai Synapses, or you can follow me. I'm at Twitter at Rabbi Middleman, which is M-I-T-E-L-M-A-N. Um, One more time. Spell that out again, your, your last name. M-I-T-E-L-M-A-N. I've had to teach my kids that emphasize the E-L um, there. But, uh, but we have lots of opportunities for people to, to be involved and to be able to know the kind of work that we're doing and to, to be able to get some, some conversation starters with their friends, with their family, because that's where that happens. It really happens on the ground from the bottom up of saying, God, that's a really interesting article. I hadn't thought of it like that before. That's, that's what you want. That's what you want. I mean, I think that's a mark of a good sermon when people might leave and saying, you know what, I didn't, I don't know if I agree with you, but you really got me thinking. And yep. that's, that's a great compliment. So again, that is Rabbi Middleman, um, M-I-T-E-L-M-A-N. 
Uh, that's his Twitter handle. So Rabbi Middleman, and then also uh, Sinai and Synapses too. It's a multiple synapse. Yes, multiple there's more than one synapse. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So follow them and get get that going, and go to the website. Uh, Rabbi Rabbi Durbin, great work. You need to bring more guests, buddy. This is you know this, look look what happens when you get out of your chair and you start well, making I, calls. I, I brought in last week. I brought in the only reform rabbi in all of Russia. Uh, you're you're on a streak, dude. Rabbi Jeff Middleman, which has been uh, just amazing. So, uh, Rabbi Middleman, on behalf of a priest and a rabbi, and for all of our listeners, we thank you greatly for joining us and wish everyone a wonderful and a safe and healthy rest of the week and great weekend. Thank you very much.